Well, good morning. It is so good to see you. Thanks, Charlie, for leading us uh, in prayer. And I'm so glad that all of you are here this morning at the 830 service. And uh, it's been a a great weekend uh, celebrating uh, 10 years as a church. I really have been full of gratitude uh, all weekend long. God has been faithful uh, and good to us. And we pray uh, that uh, he will continue to be faithful uh, as well to us. And my my iPad just disappeared. There, hold on. Let me see if it comes back. If it doesn't, I'm going to have to go to my trusty uh, paper that I have down below because of this very reason. (laughs) Cannot trust technology. Uh, It came back. There we go. so if, if you've been with us, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we actually started uh, a new sermon series, Who We Are. Uh, it's a, a five-week series uh, looking at our identity as a church. Uh, and as we celebrate 10 years this morning and we pray toward and hope toward 100 more years, we believe it's important that as a community, we are aligned to who we believe God has made us and is making us to be. And so who are we? Uh, we've been saying this every week. We are a community of people called to rest in Christ as we live for the renewal of all things in the city for the world. We began by looking at we are a community of people. Uh, I preached out of Psalm 133. We are a diverse community united in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And last week, Timothy preached on we are called that our creator and our redeemer has called us out of darkness into his light. Therefore, we have been divinely appointed as his chosen people, his church. And this morning, I'm going to preach on rest in Christ. It's going to be a little more brief than normal because of all the things we have going on in our service this morning. And then afterwards, we want you to go downstairs and enjoy that as well. Uh, But this morning, we're going to look at rest in Christ. and, And we're going to look at a familiar passage, I think, to many. Matthew 11 28 to 30. And let me encourage you to not allow these verses to be some type of Christianized Hallmark card saying. The verses that we're going to look at this morning, they give us insight into the very heart of Jesus for you and for us as a church. And so I'm going to ask you to stand and we're going to give our attention to the Word of God in Matthew 11 verses 28 to 30. This is God's Word to us. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Isaiah tells us the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Pray with me. Well, God, I ask that you would speak to us this morning. We are so thankful for the invitation and the offer of resting in you. We thank you for your heart, Jesus, and we pray that we would not just know about this gospel of of Christ and what we profess to be true of Jesus, but we would experience it. Even this morning, would you speak to us by your spirit that we might encounter you, the living God? I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts will be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. Well, I doubt that anybody here this morning 
hears these words of Jesus and, and thinks, I don't want that. Right? We all want rest. I, I know I do. Now, I'm sure many of us might think, well, what do I need to do? What do I need to say in order to get rest? Maybe you're tempted to think, what, what do I need to buy? What lifestyle or life hacks do I need to live by in order to get some rest? Maybe you're here this morning and you think, you know what, I've tried everything. I've done the workouts, I've started the diets, I've read the books, I've listened to the podcast. I, I even bought a new mattress and I'm wearing some version of like a sleep tracker like that Daniel has on, on his wrist. And, I, you know, I set goals every year and I, I try to attain them, yet rest is still elusive. The good news of Christianity is that Jesus offers rest. And we're going to look at three things this morning to help us understand rest in Christ. Who is offered rest? How do we learn to rest? And why can we rest? Let's look first at who is offered rest. Jesus' invitation in verse 28 is, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Other translations say, All who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus doesn't say, Come to me, all of you who have it together. Come to me, all you who are putting forth 100% effort. Come to me, all of you who are peppy and upbeat. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. You don't need to unburden or collect yourself to come to Jesus. In fact, it is your very burden that qualifies you to come to Jesus. And he invites all who are weary, all who labor and are heavy laden. We have in our bulletin, I don't know if you see it, every week on the, on the back page, it says, to all who are spiritually weary and seek rest, to all who mourn and long for comfort, to all who struggle and desire victory, to all who sin and need a Savior, to all who are strangers and want fellowship, to all who hunger and thirst after righteousness, and to all who will come, this church opens wide her doors and offers welcome in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. As a church... We welcome everyone to come as they are, to come in genuine honesty. For when we are really honest, we're set free from our false selves, our vain attempts at proving ourselves to ourselves or proving ourselves to others and to the world. We can be honest about the weariness of our life, the weariness that comes from our laboring and our working in this world. Now, we need to know this, that Jesus isn't talking simply about feeling tired. There is such a thing as having a good, productive day of work, right? That feeling that, that maybe you've had before where you go to bed at night after a long day of work and you're tired, but you're deeply gratified because you know this is what God made you for, right? What Jesus is talking about is the feeling of hardness. It, it is the experience of deep disappointment with life. It's our anxiety our exhaustion and hopelessness. Now, I know many of you know, know this, but we are experiencing the highest rates of burnout than ever before. Right? Bur burnout is skyrocketing in the medical field, and in the pastoral field, in the educational field. 70% of parents right now say they feel parental burnout. Doctors, pastors, teachers, stay-at-home parents retirees, college students are worn out and anxious. America is weary and heavy laden. 
Suicide rates are high. Addiction is soaring. Loneliness is an epidemic. And many of us spend our nights flipping through Netflix, trying to decide what to watch next, or scrolling through social media, looking at the world falling apart, or viewing other people's lives that we imagine ourselves living. And then we wake up the next morning more weary than the night before. We take up new hobbies and activities. We live by our compulsions. We give ourselves over to addictions and neuroses, and we wonder why we're languishing. And Jesus offers rest. He is the one that our souls long for, and he says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden. Well, let's look secondly at how do we learn to rest. Verse 29, Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. To learn this means that true rest does not come natural to us. It is something we need to learn from Jesus. Jesus offers rest and then he gives, in my opinion, a very odd command. He says, take my yoke upon you. A yoke, it was an instrument of work. It would normally be placed upon an animal for tilling and working the fields. Or if you were of lower social class and could not afford an animal, a person might put a yoke upon themselves as they worked the fields. And so Jesus says, you want rest, take up an instrument of work. I find that odd, don't you? I mean, it it would seem to make more sense if Jesus said, you want rest, Take up your weighted blanket and drink some chamomile tea. (laughs) Or you want some rest? Put on some PJs and watch you a good movie. Or or you want rest? Give yourself over to self-care. But he says, take my yoke upon you. Why? A, A yoke, it signified being under rule and authority. And so to take up Jesus's yoke is to submit to Jesus's rule and authority. Now catch this, I find it interesting that Jesus does not say, come to me and I will make you yoke free. And I think by doing so, we could rightfully interpret Jesus as inferring that we are all under some yoke. That it's impossible to not be yoked. That every person lives in submission to something or someone. That we're all driven to live by something or for something. Submitting to our desires our addictions, our performance, our political parties, our achievements, our pride. We're in an award season for film and TV, and I always enjoy watching award shows. And a few weeks ago, Rachel and I were watching the Golden Globes. And one thing that really struck me this year were how many of the winners got on stage to accept their, their award. And in their acceptance speech, they stood up and, and they looked out at the crowd and they anxiously and nervously said, I'm so intimidated by all of you here tonight. It was quite an honest confession that even in winning this prestigious award, what they were driven by in that moment was the approval of those in the crowd. And if you watch the Golden Globes or even read some about after it, uh, the host, Joe Coy, in his opening monologue, he, he was bombing joke after joke. And he anxiously kind of ad-libbed and came off script and said, I didn't write all these jokes. The, I'm just, I just wrote the ones you're laughing at. But it, it was, to me, a night that showcased, at least as I watched it, how easy it is for people to be driven to live for the approval of others. And this is just one yoke. 
that we can put upon ourselves. But all of us are yoked. And the question is, what are you yoked to? And is it the right yoke? And the yoke that is most natural for us is a life driven by self. It's a life lived with kind of a choose-your-own-adventure approach where we get to determine how we live. It's a life submitted to our our desires, our achievements, our goals. That's, That's our natural instinct. It's why Jesus says, come to me and learn from me. It's not natural for us. And he says, take my yoke upon you. In verse 30, he tells us a little bit about his yoke. He says, it's easy and light. Now, this doesn't mean life's going to be the way you draw it up to be. Jesus isn't saying, come to me, and you're going to have the family you always envisioned. Or come to me, and you're going to have the job you love. Or come to me, and everybody's going to like you. Or come to me, and you'll be healthy. Or come to me, and, and, and you'll, you'll experience the life you've always wanted. He says, uh, you come to me, and, and it won't always be ease and victory. But come to me, Jesus says, and take up your cross and follow me. The way of Jesus is the way of death. It is the path of dying to ourselves, of ceasing to live according to our ways and our desires and our rule and authority. And this, I think, is the beauty of Christianity. This is the economy of God's kingdom. That what brings rest to the exhausted... What brings freedom to the anxious, what brings hope to the hopeless, is death to self. Rabbi Simcha Bunim lived in the 18th and 19th centuries, and he used to to advise his disciples to carry two pieces of paper, one in each pocket. And in one pocket was the phrase, I am but dust and ashes. And in the other was the phrase, for me the world was created. And he taught that embracing I am but dust and ashes enabled someone to believe and experience the hope and the freedom and the rest of trusting God that he created the world for me and to be with me. The way Jesus says that if a grain of wheat does not fall to the ground and die, it remains by itself. But our nature is to hold on to our lives at all costs. But Jesus says those who want to find life, must lose their life. That to to, to get to the place where God meets us, we have to get to the end of ourselves. That his yoke is easy and light, not because life is burden-free, but because he promises to be with us and carry our burdens for us. That in death, we're set free from ourselves. As the Apostle Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. We live looking to Jesus. And we trust his accomplishments, his achievements, and we rest. Now, this again, it's not natural, so we have to learn it over and over and over. And so let's be honest. Most of you have heard this good news of Christianity that I'm talking about this morning. The news that Jesus lived a perfectly obedient life that you could never live because of your sin. That Jesus died a death in your place on the cross to forgive you of your sin. And that Jesus rose victorious from the grave to conquer sin, death, and the evil one. Most of you know that news. We know that. The problem is having this gospel information travel the 18 inches from the head to the heart is to really experience it. 
And so here at Christ Central, we talk a lot about spiritual practices or, or spiritual habits that we can embody. Not as a new yoke to burden you with, but as a means of learning to die to yourself so that we can enjoy resting in Christ. One of the values that we have here is slowed down spirituality. It's a value rooted in ceasing to live by control. It's dying at living at life at warp speed so you can be hyperproductive. It's, it's taking time to be with Jesus so that you can slow down and know what motivations are driving you and are operating within your heart. It's slowing down and, and really honoring one day out of seven and taking a Sabbath, which is a day of rest. It's a day of protest. That though the world we live in exalts the self, we confess that our God is in control, that this is our Father's world, and we rest in Him. And so we slow down and we take naps, especially on Sabbath. There's nothing better than a good Sabbath nap. We slow down and we embody rest, and this is one way that the information of the gospel becomes integrated into our very heart so that we can experience the gospel. The last thing that I want us to look at is why can we rest? Because verse 29 tells us about the very heart of Jesus. Dane Ortland starts off his book, Gentle and Lowly, by referencing Charles Spurgeon, noting that in the four Gospels of the New Testament, 89 chapters of biblical text, there's only one place where Jesus tells us about his own heart, and it's right here. That in the four Gospels, we learn about Jesus' teachings, his travel and habits. We learn about all he did in his life, death, and resurrection. But it's only in Matthew, verse 29, that we learn of Jesus' heart. And his heart is gentle and lowly. Jesus is not harsh or reactionary. He does not have his finger pointed at you, but rather his arms are open wide. He is tender and accommodating and welcoming and understanding. He does not cringe at reaching out and embracing you. In fact, it's what he loves to do. Is this how you see Jesus? Jesus says, come to me and let me love you. Come to me, let me care for you, delight over you, and then you will find rest for your souls. God does not hold his nose and love you. He doesn't love you, but stay disappointed with you. He loves you, period. And it's the experience of his heart that will lead us to rest. I love how Dane, uh, Dane Ortland, toward the end of his books, he puts this. He says, there are two ways to live the Christian life. You can live it either for the heart of Christ or from the heart of Christ. You can live it for the smile of God or from it. You can live it for your union with Christ or from it. You can live for a new identity as a son and daughter of God or from it. And herein lies the battle within our own hearts. You know, it would, it would really break me if any of my three sons grew up thinking that they needed to earn their place in the Mason family. That they needed to, to work and perform and achieve for their father's affections. Now, I'm sure because of my sin, I make them feel this way at times. So every night, I pray for them that they would always know, that they would always know that I and their mom love them, period. That we love them. They are our sons. And nothing will ever change that. And if this is my heart, which is fickle and selfish for my children... Imagine God's perfect heart, his gentle and lowly heart for you. 
He loves you, period. And it breaks his heart when you live as though you need to earn his love or, or work for or perform for his love. When we rest in the love of Jesus, we are set free from ourselves to enjoy God in the life that he's given to us. I want to close by saying happy 10-year anniversary, Christ Central Church. It's been a fun weekend, and rightfully so. Rightfully so. You know, I learned this past week that there are individuals and companies who hire fun coaches. That's a thing. Fun coaches. That's, that's insightful. That we live in such a cultural moment where people are languishing so much, they don't know how to have fun. So they hire fun coaches. And in my experience, most churches need a fun coach. We're not known for being that fun. And I own, I'm not always the most fun. But I think fun and play is one way we can know if we're resting in Christ. Friday night was fun. This morning we're injecting some fun. And I said this Friday night, and I'll say it again, we want to be a church that takes Jesus seriously. And when we do, it means we don't take ourselves too seriously. Because we are actually freed from ourselves in Christ. And, and if we can't be freed from ourselves, if we, if we take ourselves too seriously, it's a good indicator that we're being yoked to something other than Jesus. For when we experience the heart of Christ, we will really rest in Christ. Let's pray. Lord, I'm so thankful that you set us free. May we know the deep, deep love of Christ this morning and this fellowship and celebration and the word that was just preached and the word we're about to feast upon at the table. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.